0: You could turn to Numbers chapter 14, that's our text this morning, and we are going to begin a sermon series, and the title of our series is The Power of Attitude, I'm wearing my attitude tie this morning. If you need a worship guide, if you'll raise your hand, our ushers will give you that worship guide with that little insert about Mission Hot Springs. Just set that aside and read it a little bit later. Thanks guys. Keep your hands up long enough to where these gentlemen can see it, and they'll give you A worship God. But over the next several weeks, we're going to be teaching what the Bible says from this Old Testament text about five problem attitudes. We're going to begin with what I believe to be potentially the foundational bad attitude that affects all the other bad attitudes. Now, every other week, for instance, next week, we'll look at the solution attitude to the previous week's bad attitude, a problem attitude. So we're, we're we're going to get a solution to this this morning. But you know, you, you have to realize before you find the solution, you have to identify the problem. Isn't that the way it is with salvation? You know, good news is, is good, but you can't get the good news until you first understand and realize the bad news, the bad news of sin. We need saving. And this is a problem. This is an attitude that can... Really destroy us and, and 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 I believe destroy a church. But you know, before I do that, I I want to I want to ask you some questions. Have you ever read portions of the Old Testament? And as you read those portions of the Old Testament, you come to a place where you you say, "How could God do that?" I'm not talking about the miraculous power of God doing something absolutely supernatural because we know God can do anything, but I'm talking about sometimes God's reaction to certain things. Sometimes when I view the radical reaction of God in certain situations and stories in scripture, I'm so taken back by it that it causes me to to want to find out what it is that caused God to feel that way. Why did God react in such a radical way to that deep valley or that dark situation well in numbers chapter number 14 we find one of those situations in order for us to really understand the text or to walk into the text avoid walking into it suddenly but kind of walk into it through a series of events let's go back 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 to genesis chapter 1 Because if you understand Genesis chapter 1 and everything that happened between then and Numbers chapter 14, it helps us to understand the message a whole lot more. In Genesis chapter 1, we start with who? Adam and Eve. Very good. You're a good class this morning. Adam and Eve were the first two that God had ever created. There they were in that garden, and they rebelled against God. And that rebellion uh, brought sin into the world and a whole lot of other problems with it. And Their children, Adam and Eve's children, got worse. And their children got worse. And this thing just started spinning out of control. And eventually God got to the place where he said, I am done with these people and we're going to start all over. And so he calls a guy by the name of Noah. And he says, Noah, listen, we're going to start this thing over. Build an ark. I'm sending rain. I'm sending judgment. It's going to destroy everybody but your family. And we're going to start with you guys. Noah gets on the ark with his family. In fact, I think there was eight total. The rest of the world was literally wiped out. But after a few more years, Noah's kids started acting like Adam and Eve's kids. And their kids started acting like their kids. And we soon find out in Scripture what we know to be true now. The problem is with the heart of man. And so sin crept into the world again, and it got really wicked again. And and so then God said, look, if I can't get a people to live for me, if I can't get the the world to follow me, then I'm just going to choose a nation. And so God calls out a nation, the nation of Israel. And he calls out Abraham, and he takes Abraham over to a separate place all by himself. And Abraham had a son by the name of Isaac, and Isaac had two sons by the name of Jacob and Esau. And then Jacob had 12 sons. I won't, I won't challenge you with that one. But I'll tell you something about these 12 boys. 11 of them were crazy. In fact, so crazy that they took one of those sons and they beat him up and threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery. And this one son, Joseph, went to Egypt. But one son turned into an entire family. And then one family turned into 2 million People in captivity in Egypt. And then God raised up a man by the name of Moses. And Moses was raised up by God to lead these people out of slavery, to lead them out of Egypt, and to lead them into the promised land a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of victory, a land of joy. And then all the plagues came upon Egypt, one after the other. God led them off into the, to, towards the promised land. I mean, remember, through the Red Sea, all the Egyptians were killed. What, a, what an incredible story that was. And then the Ten Commandments and thing after thing happened, and they, they got right to the edge of the promised land. Right to the edge. The land wasn't vacant. So they sent 12 spies in. Remember that? Those 12 spies went into that land to, to check it out and, and to see what things would, were, were, would be like. Even though God had already said, I'll take care of it, don't worry. I know it's going to be rough, there's going to be giants in the land, it's going to be, there's going to be things that can intimidate you, but we got this. I'm taking you to the promised land. Look at my track record, it's all good. Twelve spies go in, and wouldn't you know, ten of them come out whining and complaining. Let's see it. Look at Numbers 14, are you there? Numbers 14, beginning in verse number 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and they cried. Oh, they grumbled and the, and the people wept, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron. And, the, and, and they said this Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God if we had died in this wilderness? And then why hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword? That our wives and our children should be a prey. Were it not better for us just to go back to Egypt into slavery? And they said one to another. All of these people began to say, Let us make a captain and return into Egypt. Now, if you have ever read what God did for them from the book of Exodus through Numbers chapter 14. then then you would be saying this morning, wow, the faithfulness of God to these people, the goodness of God to these people, every need, and maybe you've not had a time to read much of the Old Testament, so I'll vouch for the Old Testament at this moment. Those of you that have read it know this. Every need met, blessing after blessing, miracle after miracle, God came through every time. Knowing that, knowing the, the, the stories, the events, the things that God did for them, and then hearing their whining and complaining all of us would have to agree this would be the height of ungratefulness. I mean, it doesn't get any, any worse than this. Talk about a wicked attitude in the face of God. And then we go to verse number 5. The Bible says in verse 5 that Moses and Aaron fell on their faces. They began to plead and beg the people. Joshua, Caleb, here's what they said, verse 7. They speak unto the company of the children of Israel, the land which we pass through to search it. Listen, listen everybody, it's a good land. If the Lord delights in us, I mean, and he always has, he's never failed us, then he'll bring us into this land. He'll give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Listen everybody, don't rebel against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they're just bread for us. Their defense has departed from them. The Lord is with us, fear them Not. But all the congregation began to pick up stones as if they were going to stone them. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. Here was God's response to Moses. How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them. I'll smite them with the pestilence. I'll I'll disinherit them and will make of them uh, a greater nation, Moses. Mightier than they. And then we read one of the sweetest prayers that you'll ever read in Scripture. For sake of time, I'm not going to read the next verses, verses 13 through 19, but I will ask you to underline those verses, identify those verses, and I will challenge you later to read one of the sweetest prayers from a humble man of God pleading for his people. Verse 20, and the Lord said after Moses' prayer, I have pardoned according to thy word. But as, I, as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which have seen my glory, my miracles, everything I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and they've tempted me these ten times and they've not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them provoke me see it. But my servant Caleb will, because he had another spirit in him. Look at verse number 27. How long shall I uh, bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I've heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. Saying to them, as as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall. This is strong. Think about it. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. And all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless... Ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb and Joshua, but your little ones, your little ones, 19 and under, which he said should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. Wow. God looks at these people and he says, i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to let your little ones, your children, go into the land because you wouldn't let me. You wouldn't give me the opportunity Because of your griping, because of your murmuring, because of your complaining, your kids are going to get to experience something that you won't get to experience because you just would not stop murmuring. Now, here's my opinion, and it's just mine. That, my friend, is the most radical thing that God ever did in the Old Testament. That's radical, that's intense. I mean, as I read this story, and as I understand, murmuring. By the way, the word murmuring sounds exactly what it is. I tell you, I do I tell you, I tell you I, I, rah, 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 rah. murmuring, grumbling, complaining. God is obviously not into that. He's absolutely not into it. All of that judgment came because of their complaining. Now, we know God is a God of love, right? And God is a God of mercy. And God is a God of compassion. Then surely, knowing those things, if God's that upset... It must be sexual immorality. It's probably this transgender thing popping up again, you know. It's probably the Target stores. Yeah, I know what it is. God's ticked about that stuff. He's ticked about their sexual immorality, He's upset about their idolatry. That's it, isn't it? Now, this radical expression of God's judgment came because of their lousy, rotten attitudes. They were complaining. They were grumbling. They were murmuring. Now, I see five specific events in this in this whole text. It's, 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 it's incredible. We're only going to talk about one event this morning, but there are several events here. And what's interesting about these events in this story is, is you're going to find five different attitudes these people had. And so over the course of the series, over the course of the summer, we're going to look at the five bad attitudes, the problem attitudes, and then we'll go to the New Testament to discover... The solution attitudes. But but first, I want to take a moment to focus on this first one of complaining because it, I believe, seems to be the one for which all the others come from. So let's talk about wilderness attitude number one, which is complaining. Those who choose grumbling as their lifestyle will spend their lifetime in the wilderness. Those who choose grumbling as their lifestyle... This is just what we're going to do. We're going to complain. We're going to grumble. We're going to murmur. Now, I'm going to use Numbers chapter 11, verse 1, as my text verse. And so it'll appear several times on the screen throughout the message. So pay close attention. Look at that verse. And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord. Time out. And the people. Who chose to complain? The people chose to complain. You know what I've noticed about complainers is they attempted to blame somebody else for their complaining. I'm that way. I mean, hey, if it wasn't for so-and-so, I wouldn't feel this way. And so what we tend to do is blame someone else, but what we have to do is own it. We choose our attitudes. We choose. And the people. It was the people who chose to have a bad attitude. They did not have to, they chose to. Twelve spies, right? Perfect example. What did those twelve spies do? Ten chose to have a bad attitude. Ten chose to whine. Ten chose to complain. Ten chose to be self absorbed. Ten chose to doubt God. And what did they do? They went into the wilderness. Two chose to have a good attitude. Two chose to be faithful. Two chose to say, listen, I'm going to have faith in God. He's never let us down. He's going to do the right thing. What did they get? They got the promised land. So what exactly do we mean by attitude then? Attitudes are patterns of thinking that develop over a long period of time. You see, this did not start in Numbers 14. Wow, where'd that come from? No, no. It had been there. You could trace it back all the way through. Complaining, complaining, complaining. Let me tell you the fearful thing I have found about our children is they will learn to complain from us. They will develop a complaining attitude. They will, they will learn at a young age as they are mentored by complainers to be complainers. It's developed. It's, something, it's hard to get rid of. It sneaks up on us and it becomes a, a way of life. And people literally leave. I mean, this was a whole nation—two Two million, every one of them were complaining. It was the culture of their nation, of their church, was complaining. And it was developed over a long period of time. You develop this way of thinking even as a child. And so if I'm to change, I've got to be responsible for that. If I'm to change my attitude in any capacity, I've got to own it and admit, admit, I, Eric, you choose your attitude, son. Nobody chooses it for you. The weather doesn't choose it. Your wife doesn't choose it. Your kids don't choose it. Your adversity doesn't choose it. You choose it. We won't get anywhere unless we admit that. So even if you don't mean it, let's own it. Ready? I choose my attitude. One, two, three, say it. I choose my attitude. One more time. I choose my attitude. That's true. Now, if you meant it, we're we're ready. We're ready to look at this and to get somewhere. So let's talk specifically about complaining now. All right, let's do it. Complaining is a sin plain and simple. That's what it is. It's not just like, yeah, yeah, every now and then I, you know, I mean, but 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 it's not a sin, is it? Yeah, yeah, complaining is a sin. The word literally means missing the mark. Powerful, strange way to think about the word, but that's what it means, missing the mark. But Pastor Capaci really, Aren't you overreacting? I mean, I was kind of excited about the series, and you're really going to make a big deal out of complaining. I mean, who's it really hurting? Well, first of all, it's hurting you. God loves you. God's been good to you. God's blessed you. Second of all, it's hurting God. God's, God's done so much. Look look at how this story hurt God. It displeased the Lord. Thirdly, it hurts the people around you. Think about it. It did not matter what Moses prayed, what Moses said. It did not matter what the preacher said. Do you know how many church splits could not be stopped because of the locomotive of complaining? Churches have split and splintered. Do you know why some towns have 8 billion churches? Because of complainers. They're called church splits. Why do you think there's a first and a second and a third Baptist? Why do you think that there's Church of God, Assembly of God, you know, Holy Coast Church of God, First Pentecostal, Second Pentecostal, you know, Sister Pentecostal? Why can't we just have 10 or 15 churches in town? I'll tell you why. Because somebody decided to complain. And when somebody said, wait a minute, this isn't right. It was way too late because it had affected everybody else. Complaining destroys churches, congregations, it splits congregations, it hurts small groups. You know, hey, I got to give the anti-small group people one thing, and they're right about this. It's worth the risk, though. I'm in, because I think it's biblical. But the one thing they say is, but you got to watch, because sometimes groups can get together, and they can start complaining. We had it happen one time. And it exploded a small group two years ago, and people split and went all over the nation. Right out of our little old church right here in Hot Springs, Arkansas, we lost 10 people because somebody started complaining. It happens. You can't stop it. It's a locomotive. It's a powerful thing. It's, it's, it's Listen, let, let's, let's define complaining. Here it is on the screen. To express dissatisfaction with a circumstance which is not wrong and about which I'm doing nothing to correct. Let's say that again as as you fill in those blanks. To express dissatisfaction with a circumstance which is not wrong but which I'm doing nothing to correct. So let's break that down. Four quick conclusions. Number one, complaining is done about things that aren't wrong. I mean, think about it. Abortion is wrong. We, 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 listen, we know Scripture teaches abortion is wrong. And so, you know, when you're, when you're standing against something that's wrong, for instance, if somebody, everybody has a different way of expressing themselves about something that's wrong. Some picket the abortion clinic. I'm not saying I would do that or not do that, but I will tell you that's, that's not complaining because it's wrong. There's a lot of things like that. Complaining's not like that. Complaining is done about things that aren't wrong. But secondly, complaining involves things I'm doing nothing to correct. <laughs> Sometimes we tend to complain about things, but we do nothing about it. We gripe and complain about you know this, this misfortune, this situation, this deal, this problem, abortion, whatever. But we don't do anything about it. And that's why we, we need to be very, very, very careful because that's what complaining is. It's, it's about things and involves things that we're not doing anything to correct. That's why Jesus says you go to your brother when there's an ought against you and that will get it fixed when you talk to everybody else. You're doing nothing to solve the problem. God says, "Here's the solution: go to your brother and talk to him." Hey, you say, "Well, I've got an enemy, and I hate my enemies." Jesus says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Try loving him. It works every time. If you love your enemy, you won't complain about him. You'll love him." That must be why my good mother said, "Hey, son, when they mistreat you, kill them with kindness." I know now what she means. No use in complaining about the criticizers. Just learn from him. Life's full of criticism. Don't let it destroy you. Don't complain about it. Rather, do something about it. And so, thirdly, we see here, and this is very, very, very sad. Put up Numbers 11-1 again, if you would, please, Luke. And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord. This broke my heart. This is what got me. I'll be honest. If you were to ask me what part of this sermon study drove me to my knees and crushed me, this was it. They complained in the hearing of the Lord. God hears our complaining. That killed me. You say, Eric, I could have told you that. Well, then why didn't you? Maybe I should have known that. Well, God hears everything. Then why are we complaining if God hears it? If we know God who's been so good to us, who's done so much, why are we like this? Why do we do this? God hears our complaining. Church, this is a conclusion all of us need to understand because this will bring about repentance. Repentance. When we understand that God literally hears our complaining, is this really a problem? Is this really is this a big deal, preacher? I mean, do, really, do people really have a t- trouble with this? I don't have Facebook, but I've had dozens of people come and say, Preacher, did you read this? And I'm like, does the whole world see that stuff? And I'm like, yeah, oh, well, yeah. That's how they, yeah, they're just venting. They're venting on Facebook. Man, some of that stuff is crazy. I had a precious brother walk up to me this morning and say, I'm sorry. I, several years ago, I I posted seven or eight Facebook rants against you. And he said, I'm so sorry. I said, oh, I didn't even know I had Facebook. <laughs> he said, oh, I didn't have to tell you. I said, no, I really didn't know. I said, he goes, I wonder why you treated me so good. <laughs> I said I'd have treated you good anyway, but thanks for apologizing. If it makes you feel better, he goes, "Oh yeah, it was bad." He goes, "A lot of your church members would comment back and forth." And by the way, don't waste your time. Just, just pray for him. You don't have to answer and fight back. Facebook rants. Let me tell you something. I'm not against Facebook or social media. I'm just presenting to you that what it's done is it's aided complainers, and they've used the Facebook menu, venue and other venues to just express their complaining. Now, I understand that God hears our complaining. I mean, put that verse up again. Uh, Numbers 11. When the people complained in the hearing of the Lord. I understand God hears our complaining about the weather. God hears our complaining about taxes. God hears our complaining about social decline. God hears our complaining about, I'm getting old. God here's a complaining about man I wish I had hair I understand all that but there's one particular kind of complaining that grates on the ears of God grates on the ears of God and I want to show it to you in numbers 11 verse 1 and the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their What? Misfortunes. About their adversity. About tough times. Now, if you've been a member of this church for any period of time, you've heard me say this over and over again, that we will all face seasons of adversity. All of us. No one is exempt from it. Everyone in this building will experience misfortunes. Adversity problems, unfortunate circumstances. Every single one of us will experience hardship. All of us will have a cross to carry in our lives. Every one of us. Some here want to have children. And it just hasn't happened. And it's a cross you're carrying. Others are maybe still single, desiring to be married, but it just just hasn't worked out. Others in this building have made poor decisions in your marriage which has caused it to fall apart and resulted in circumstances that you deal with every day. Others have had a health situation that has just been unfortunate and it's changed everything about the way you live. Others have had struggling careers and lost jobs and are not exactly sure what to do and where to turn and you feel like you're starting all over again at age whatever. All of these adversities. And God, especially for some reason, does not want us to complain about that. When we turn away. Listen, church, when we turn away from all the good things God has done. All the blessings God has given us. All the incredible things that God, when we turn away from that, and we begin to complain about that thing. That Misfortune. That thing right there. Yeah, yeah, Eric, that thing. Forget about all that. Because this controls me. The goodness of God, puke on it. I got a problem. And I'll complain about that problem, that adversity, that misfortune. God says. hurts when God heard them complaining about their adversity about their misfortune God hates our complaining in fact it says in scripture look back at that verse again and the people complained to the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes and when the Lord heard it his anger was what his anger was kindled In fact, it speaks later about him sending judgment. The fire of the Lord burned among them, consumed some outlying parts of the camp. Judgment came upon this people for their complaining. In fact, several times throughout this episode in Scripture, if you choose to make it part of your Bible study this week or your small group, identify the times from Numbers chapter 11 through maybe 16, 17, that God's anger was kindled. It's numerous times. God's anger was kindled against the people. You see, God loves us, but God hates our sin. Negative complaining attitudes lead to a life in the wilderness. And So God was angry. God was was greatly upset about this complaining. So you walk in your house one day and... You know, your your kids, maybe you think they're playing hide-and-seek. You don't know where they're at, right? But you hear some pss, 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 so you, you follow the noise, right? You ever done this? They're all in the laundry room. What are they doing in there? And so as opposed to just kind of opening the door, you just kind of get close and you put your ear. You notice the light's off. There's a flashlight on, so they they're, they're kind of hiding. And you hear one of your little girls say, You know, I just, I just wish Dad could could have a better job. We could have more stuff. Man, that's just a loser. And then another child speaks up and says, "Yeah, and this house we live in, it's not as nice as the house uh, Miss Jones has. Because we, I slept over there last week. It's awesome. They got so much more than we've got. I wish I lived with them." And then you hear another child say, "Yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm tired of eating leftovers. Mom tells us, you know, we got to eat the pizza. It's cold. I hate it. We got to heat it up ourselves. It's just a joke." What happens? First thing that happens is you get hurt, right? I mean, that's, that's me. I mean, I'm, I, the first thing I'm like is, whoa. Maybe a little tear, right? And then all of a sudden, you get Let me tell you something. Your daddy works hard, And this is the best we can do. Come on now. All right, listen, observation. If that's the reaction of imperfect parents towards complaining, what would be the reaction of a sovereign, perfect God about his children complaining? Think about it. I guess it doesn't shock me that he's this upset. I know I would be, and I really am a loser, and he's perfect. If he's upset, it's got to get my attention. I've got to recognize this as a problem. What's happening here? What what is God trying to teach us here in this service? And so I want to get up close and personal in conclusion. And this is kind of where we have to sort of get a little bit uncomfortable for just a moment. Three things. Number one, ask yourself this question, am I a complainer? Am I a complainer? I mean, just, just be honest. You know, I mean, is there... Listen, we had, a, we had 50 people in the first service. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but it was a much, 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 much smaller crowd. I didn't know how the message was going to go over. I honestly thought, well, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, whenever you preach something like this, you're not sure. I, I couldn't believe in a small crowd how many people walked up to me after and just, not that you have to, in fact, this is a larger crowd, it would take too long. But I was just shocked, casual crowd, preacher, man, I needed that. I'm imagining if we've got five, six, seven times the people, we got several people that if we did admit it today by raising our hands, which we're not, because that's not important that I know it. What's important is that you're willing to tell God this morning, God, I'm a complainer. I've complained this week, today, this morning. Somebody asked me if this would be any kind of a good Mother's Day sermon. I said, I don't know, but how many of you kids complain? Maybe it's a pretty good sermon. Maybe this will help some of our children to realize that you're blessed. You know, you've got it good. God's been good. The next time you complain about something, especially something mom asks you to do, Ezekiel, I mean uh, uh, children. <laughs> I'm joking. It's tough being a preacher's kid. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's not. But maybe the next time we complain, we sh- we should we should stop and say you know what i need i need some accountability and so mom you know preacher talked about complaining today would you tell me when i'm complaining and, and just point it out to me i'm going to try to stop and moms when you do it don't say hey, hey you are pre don't don't do that cuz that that'll just but just simply lovingly say you're complaining and just see how they react if they ask you to I know I'm probably in the ministry today, honestly, and I mean this. Because there's been times, years ago, years ago, when I was complaining. My wife looked at me about something in our church, and I was complaining. This might have been 15 years ago, and it was a situation that was unfortunate. And it was a thing that I, you know, I mean, I've been here almost 24 years now in a couple weeks. And, you know, it was just a, a, a bad deal. And I remember making the statement that I'm done. And I'm out of here. I'm not going to stay here. This this is town's too small. It's so ridiculous. This is, and I just got upset. And I, I said, look, I'm calling. I'm going to go searching next week. This, let's just get out of here. Leave this to somebody else. Now, I prayed, this was about 15 years ago, but I remember my wife looked at me and she said, really? Really? Look at what God's done for us here, sweetheart. Look at what God's done. Look at the blessings of God. Look at this and this and this and this and this and this. And I said, oh, yeah. That's true. (laughs) Well, maybe we should stay. You you know, here's the thing. I wonder how many marriages have been busted because of a complaining husband about his wife or a complaining wife about her husband. And the next thing you know, there's an affair going on because we just this or we just that. All I'm trying to say is the first thing to do is identify if you're a complainer or not. Number two. Am I reaping the consequences in my relationship with God? Am I reaping the consequences? Here's what I mean by that. Numbers 11.1, in the hearing of the Lord, that hearing of the complaining resulted in his anger being kindled and judgment coming upon the relationship that God had with those people. Could it be that, that God's relationship with you has been hindered could could it be that there are consequences you're experiencing right now between you and god because of your complaining that if you took away the complaining if you number three am i willing to repent if you repented of your complaining would god reverse it all would god say then wait a minute you know what You say, well, well, look what God did in the Old Testament. It didn't work out. Hey, praise God, we're in the New Testament, amen? Let's just look at the positive things. We're under grace. God's going to forgive us, and we're going to move on. Hallelujah, amen? (laughs) Don't worry. Old brother Eric's going to end up positive. We're going to end up 30,000 feet in the air, over the clouds, praising Jesus. I won't let you down. I've never in 24 years let you walk out of here defeated. Truth of the matter is, if we'll repent, I believe God will forgive us. And I believe God will restore unto us a relationship with him, our wives, our husband, our kids, our small groups, our churches. Listen, this is almost a a revelation to me. I don't mean to be spooky, but I sincerely mean this. It's almost as if God, I mean, I knew that complaining was, was you know, my kids, you know, when I preached this morning, Chloe was in the morning service and, and, and she, I sat down next to me and she said, that's you, Dad, you're always reminding us when we're complaining, you're, you're so good at it. Hold me accountable. I mean, this is me. I, I am the kind of person that, that does, my nature has been, especially since God's changed me and corrected me and fixed me through the years, but I don't think I understood the gravity of the consequences. I don't think until I really, truly studied this story that I understood this is serious. This is like, this to me could could solve and bring revival. If God's people quit complaining and they, I'm not telling you because that's next Sunday. The solution's next Sunday. You see, there's always a solution, but the first thing, we got to repent. I'll close with this. We had a candy sale, and by the way, it's the best one we've ever had. Amen. I think we got like six boxes left. We raised over $10,000 for the school. And so we gave prizes away. One of the prizes was Ethan won one of the prizes. Ethan's always a big time candy seller. I wish I could say the same for his brothers. <laughs> I just complained. All right. And. Uh, <laughs> But Ethan's like the bomb on the candy sales. And so he did really good. Well, he won a prize, which would include taking a friend to dinner. And so I was going to try to do that, but, man, it's been just crazy busy. And I didn't want it to go much longer than it had already gone, a couple of weeks. So I called Marlena, and I said, Marlena, would you and Jerome like to have a nice dinner tonight with these two boys. She said, oh, wow, yeah, yeah, sure, preacher, yeah, no problem, we'll do it, you know. And so I was feeling better about that even. I said, well, you know, my busy schedule sometimes can benefit somebody else, you know. So she was excited. I got her the money she needed, and, and they went to Outback, which is where I suggested. And I hope they all got steaks. Or did you order? They did steaks. Okay, good, yeah. I said, get what you want. Hey, don't, don't hold back. Well, it must have been a busy night, maybe a new server, Marlena, expressed to me that they were just having a good time, fun, laughing, having a good time, Thursday night, and the waitress came to the table, kind of grieving, and, and scared about their attitudes, and said, listen, I, I, I forgot to put the meal in, I, I just feel awful, it had been an hour. And she said, honestly, preacher, I think we were just having such a good time. You know, we're just enjoying it. And like, we're at Outback. I mean, you know, what's her complaint about? This is incredible. And so, yeah, it had been an hour, but, like, we weren't really worried about it. And she was so afraid, and she brought the meal out, and she was apologizing. I'm so sorry. I know this is terrible. I just I don't want to get fired. And I'm so... Oh, no, it's okay. And so they brought the bill. And the bill was about $100. And So Marlena... I'm sure I thought, well, preacher, you know, I know, I know, we're getting. Well, actually, they said, look, we're going to we're going to give you the meal free. It would have been a hundred, but I'm sorry, this meal is on Outback because of my mistake. And so Marlena just felt led, you know. Preacher gave us this much to spend, so let's it's a candy sale. My son, let's give it to her. So they wrote her a tip for a hundred dollars. They walked out of the restaurant, and as they got into the parking lot, they looked back and heard. Sir, ma'am, I cannot believe you've done this. I, 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 this is, are you sure? And Melinda said she just ran up to them with tears in her eyes and she hugged them. Thank you. I know it was a misfortune. I know it was adversity. I'm adding some sermon words here. I know it was, I know it was a bad situation. I know you didn't deserve it. I know you're the customer. I know, but... Taking the high road for not complaining. I mean, come on, guys. I get, I get it. If this meal doesn't come out, we're getting this meal for free. I'm talking to the manager. Anybody ever been there? I'm talking. I get. This is ridiculous. Come on, now. Am I? Am I right at home right now? Are we there? Man, I can't believe it's cold. I'm not paying for this. I tell you what. Can we blame the poor little waitress or waiter. Now listen, church, I'm telling you, these are the things that God hates. These are the attitudes that God's pointing out. These are the things that God says, listen, get your eyes off all the wickedness in the world. What about your complaining? Quit pointing your finger at all the others around the world. Hey, why don't we look within the church walls where we've got to repent first before we can see revival anyway? So maybe we should take our eyes off the wickedness of the world for just a minute and put our eyes on the wickedness of the church and say she's a complaining church. She's always wanting things to be a little better, a little different. She just can't seem to be happy. God, forgive us. Cleanse us. Help us to leave this place with a different attitude and come back next week and replace it with the right attitude. Every head bowed, every eye closed.